Hello and welcome to the LSAT Demon Daily. I am Eric and joining me today is LSAT Demon student Megan Mitchell, who just crushed the LSAT and is on her way to a very good law school this fall. Megan, welcome and thanks so much for joining. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. So give me a brief introduction to yourself and uh, where it was that you started with the LSAT and then kind of where it is that you ended up. Yeah. Okay. So I'm Megan. Um, like you said, I'm originally from West Texas, um, which is a really interesting place to grow up, but I went to school at Ohio state. Um, my dad is an alum. And so I really loved the Buckeye experience. Um, I got two degrees, one in public policy analysis with a minor in economics. And then my second degree is in sport industry. Um, I've always loved sports and thought it was a really cool niche between the two. I think that sport is a microcosm for life. So the issues we can solve in sport, we can take in a to policy. And then it was a really fun degree. Um, I started my LSAT journey with Khan Academy actually in October of no September of 2021. I took my diagnostic LSAT, um, over Labor Day weekend at school. Um, and I think I scored a 152, um, and then took a pretty long pause. I felt like I had a lot of time and wasn't really sure if I wanted to go to law school or what I really wanted to do after graduation. Um, but then I had a friend who had taken the LSAT previously was currently applying to law schools and just kind of watching him go through the experience made me realize I should probably actually start studying for the LSAT like very seriously. Um, I started studying like regimentally um, the spring of 2022. So my junior year of college. Um, and I was also working full-time as an intern in the House of Representatives in Washington, DC. So that was a little crazy. Wouldn't recommend doing that, um, but it definitely taught me how to, you know, time manage, be really regimented with my schedule and also just really prioritize like what I needed to do to get done um, with my LSAT to be successful. I took my first LSAT in June and was pleasantly surprised with the score. I thought I could do better. So I took it again in August and then one more time in September, a week after having COVID, which I also wouldn't recommend. Um, and I finished with a 168. So it was a not as long journey as I feel like a lot of other people's LSAT stories are. Um, um, but if I could have done it over, I probably would have started really studying September after I took that diagnostic. Yeah. Did you feel like you were still making progress? Like you could have gotten greedy and scored higher? I suspect that you could have. <laughs> I think I could have. Yes. I was scoring pretty well into the 170s for all my practice tests, but I have pretty bad test anxiety um, and taking the LSAT at home with a remote proctor is always really difficult. And I don't think I took an LSAT where I didn't have an issue with a remote proctor. So that right. always just kind of messes up your test day experience and gets you out of the zone. But I, you know, once I hit my 168, I thought I'm in the range for schools that I really like. I had a 4.0 GPA and had two degrees from Ohio State. So I thought that might make me a little bit unique. And so I just decided to try it. And I think it went well for me. So yeah, well, tell me about that. How did it go for you? Um, so I was admitted into Berkeley, um, which is where I'll be attending in the fall. And I'm really excited about that. Go Bears. Yes, exactly. Go Bears. Um, I applied to all of the top 14 schools. I just kind of crapshooted it, except for Penn. I didn't apply to Penn um, just because I think by the end of it, I was exhausted and really didn't want to be in Philadelphia. And then I also applied to a couple of schools that were right outside of the top 14. Specifically, I applied to 
WashU, Vanderbilt, Texas, um, and USC. And then I applied to a couple schools back home in Texas, um, Texas Tech specifically, and SMU. Um, and so that went really well. I got into Berkeley. Like I said, I also got into Duke and NYU. Um, I got waitlisted at a handful of others. I was only outright rejected from Yale, Harvard and Stanford, which I was pretty pleasantly surprised with. And then I also got into Texas, um, and I got into Texas tech and SMU with, um, scholarships. So an amazing collection of schools to choose from, uh, and, a testament to both a very good LSAT score and an excellent GPA. You were able to maintain that 4.0 despite, like you said, a double major internships uh, in the House of Representatives. Is that like the D.C. House of Representatives? Or are you talking state level? Yes, I was working in Washington, D.C. for a semester. Okay. And studying for the LSAT in the meantime, how did you balance all of that was were there sacrifices elsewhere like did you have to be really strict in budgeting your time and prioritizing with certainly not the what we would recommend most LSAT students take on yeah no I would if I could give any advice I would say don't do that um it was definitely a lot of life experiences and now I feel a lot more confident going into law school having survived all that and being relatively successful for it um but I was working in DC as a part of a program that Ohio State has um through the John Glenn College of Public Affairs. It's actually funded by John Glenn himself and his estate. Um, so we go and we work in DC and public oriented um, groups, whether it's the House, the Senate um, lobbying groups, or just groups that have like a public interest focus like NPR. And so you do that. You're also a full-time student at Ohio State. So I was taking 12 credit hours, including a capstone and a research class. Um, and then on top of that, studying for the LSAT. So I wouldn't say I necessarily you know, had to remove things from my schedule, but I think it was all about balance and trying things out. Um, for me, I've always been pretty regimented and pretty school oriented. I have been good at managing my time because I was a really competitive high school athlete. I played four sports in high school. And so that just kind of where that came from. Um, but going into college was a little bit different just because you have so much more free time. So it was easier for me to just kind of do things when I did them. Going to DC was completely different because now you're working 40 hours a week. And I was working more than that, actually, because I was doing I was a press intern. So I was responsible for sending all of the press clips to everybody in the morning. So I had to get up at, you know, six or five forty five and send those out before eight and then get to the office and then work until five or whenever I was done for the day. Um, and then I'd go to class and and then I'd come back and study for the LSAT. So that was hard. Um, I think the one thing that really helped me with that is I had a really good mentor through the program who is also a practicing attorney. She's actually the assistant parliamentarian for the Senate right now. Um, and she really helped me realize that in order to be successful, I have to also like have fun and enjoy my life. And so I was living with seven other girls um, and every night we would watch Jeopardy. And that was one thing that I was getting stressed about. And like, how am I going to study if everybody's in the living room watching Jeopardy? And she was just like, <laughs> it's 30 minutes. Just watch Jeopardy. Like, it's okay. Have fun with your roommates. And then when everybody goes off and does their thing, study for the LSAT. And so for me, it was really good to be able to get in, you know, the three or sometimes it was one and a half. Sometimes it was three hours worth of LSAT studying done each day. Um, I got back from work when I didn't have class. And it was really helpful because I had my roommates to keep me accountable. They knew I was studying. And so it was more so 
a joint effort between me and my roommates. Um, I think they don't really know that, but they were helping me be accountability buddies almost just by being there. Um, and so really it was just time management, but at the same time, letting yourself have fun. Cause if you're not enjoying your life, like the LSAT is just going to be something that you're like, Oh, I have to study. Like, you're just going to learn to hate it. And it becomes resentful. And I think at one point that was the case for me until my mentor stepped in and really was like, no, watch your jeopardy, go out to eat dinner, go to a concert every once in a while. And then it became something that was like, Oh, if I get this done, like I can do this. And if I get this done, I feel better about going to whatever sporting event I was going to in DC. And so really it was just all about learning to love the LSAT rather than hating it and just kind of getting through it. And you did come to love the LSAT? I think so, yes. Except for sometimes reading comprehension was just like kicking my butt, which was crazy because I scored almost a perfect score on my reading comprehension for my SAT and my ACT. So I was like, oh, I've got this. No big deal. But really, 35 minutes for four passages, it feels very stressful once you get there. Why do you think that is? Um, I... For me, at least when I first started studying for the LSAT, I started studying with a different company and one of their like big strategies that they preached was to read the questions before you read the passages. So you'd know what you were looking for. And I did that on my SAT and my ACT, but you have 55 minutes for the same number of passages. And I like to think I'm a fast reader. And so I thought it would work. And then I was running into the fact that a lot of the LSAT passages tend to be either archaic or really convoluted. Um, and so it didn't matter that I was reading the questions first, because once I started reading the passage, I was forgetting the questions to understand what I was reading. So I'm double reading the questions, wasting time and then panicking. Cause I feel like, Oh, I have to get through everything. Like I, I can't miss any of these. Um, but then I've just wasted two to three minutes on each question or each passage, reading the questions before you're reading the passage. And so for me, it was really hard to break that habit. And I was really lucky because I worked with a great LSAT demon tutor who like we really focused on reading comprehension was the main thing that we did. And anytime we were studying, she was like, I can tell you're reading the questions. Don't read the questions. So that was really nice with the LSAT, the demon feature where you can hide all the questions first, because it really got me out of that um, habit of like, OK, well, what's is the main point? The first question or why does like, it doesn't matter. Um, read to understand it, read to comprehend it. And then the questions go so much faster. Like it just it just doesn't matter. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent advice. Yeah. Um, you mentioned working with a tutor one-on-one. -on -one. That's certainly something that a lot of students do uh, at the Demon. There are also live group classes. Were you going to group classes as well? Um, and if you were, kind of what was the general balance of going to classes, tutoring sessions, working on your own, drilling, time sections? Like, How did you try to balance, say, your average week of study? Yes. So I would say like disregarding everything I did with the other tutoring company, because it was just the way that they time blocked was different than the way I time blocked with the demon. Um, but I worked with my tutor on Wednesdays. We met every Wednesday in between my first LSAT all the way until my third LSAT. Um, and we met for an hour in the morning where we would go over a practice test that I'd taken on Monday or maybe Tuesday it kind of depended on how I was feeling for the week. Um, I think that's totally healthy. You don't need to be super strict about your schedule, right? Especially if you're giving yourself time to check in and say, Hey, I need today to go to the sporting event or to 
binge uh, old Jeopardy episodes, you know, give, giving yourself some of that kindness so that you can be fresher on your actual practice days, I think is is great. But sorry, I interrupted you. Go on. No, you're great. Um, and so, yeah, we would do, we'd go over the tests um, and I got pretty good with games to the point where I wasn't missing any consistently. So a lot of the time we would just talk about whatever game was the hardest and she'd make sure I was thinking through it as efficiently as I can. Um, but I got to the point where I was done with all of the games with like five or six minutes left. So it was a point where that was just kind of, okay, did you feel good? Yes and move on. And um, so we really focused on reading comprehension, like I said, and we would do one of the hardest passages she could find out of either the test I took, if I didn't think I did very well on the reading comprehension passage or out of just all of the demon sets, um, because they're all rated one through five through difficulty, if I'm remembering that correctly. So she would take a really hard one and we would read it together and then go through the questions. And I would show her how I was thinking through things. And if, you know, my reasoning was correct. Um, and if I did really well on reading comprehension for that day, we would do logical reasoning and we would drill really hard ones to make sure that I was kind of understanding the logic behind them, or we would drill really hard ones and go back to really easy ones just to make sure I wasn't missing anything silly in between. So those were the normal hour tutoring sessions. I would say I was pretty good about taking two practice tests a week. I took one at the beginning of the week and then I had one, I had my review session with my tutor and then I took one at the end of the week just to kind of gauge if I had learned anything or if I felt like I wasn't learning anything. And I did that for a really long time. And then I started feeling like I was plateauing or even decreasing. And after talking to my tutor, she was like, you're just taking too many practice tests. Like you need to just drill and relax. And so in between my second and my third test, I probably only took two practice tests total, but did enough sections and drilling to kind of make up for that. Um, so then back to the normal week, I probably went to, I would say, two to three hours of classes a day if I could swing it. Um, but I made sure that I was doing at least an hour minus the weekends where I just kind of gave myself off and let myself relax. Um, so I was definitely Monday through Friday, I would say at least two hours a week, um, unless we had something going on, then I just made sure to sit in on a class. And I really loved the reading comprehension classes in the morning. Um, I went to, I'm pretty sure it was Ben's classes on Wednesdays after tutoring. And then I went to, um, it was Matt's game building class. Cause I really liked his, the way he built worlds. And I thought that that was really cool and really unique. Um, those are the ones that I definitely remember. I went to so many. I probably tried out every single um, live class just for fun because um, I think you can learn from everybody. Everybody has such a unique and interesting take. So even if you like the way someone teaches reading comprehension, you're guaranteed to learn from another person if they teach it a different way. Um, it actually became a thing where I really liked going to class just because I thought that the teachers were really cool. And I thought the other students were really great and really supportive of everybody going on their journey. You never felt stupid if you got something wrong, which uh, sometimes you get things wrong and that's perfectly okay. But everybody was right there in the comments being like, oh, I thought that too. Like, so it was a very supportive environment and it made studying so much easier. I'm so glad. Yeah. I love our students. It is teach teaching live classes is always a highlight of my week just because of the students that I get to interact with and chat with. And even when I'm going off on some topic and other students are asking questions in the live chat and I haven't had the time to get to it yet, other people are there to support them and answer and provide links to lessons inside the demon. And 
doing a lot of my job for me, but the community is, is really, is really great. Um, so that's awesome. I will also say, if you don't mind me sharing your tutor, Abigail is just a rock star and a champion of the LSAT, uh, and one of the real stars on the LSAT demon team. Uh, so I'm glad that, I'm glad that it was great working with her. Yeah, no, even in the first like session that I had with her, which was really just, it was like a try on session to see if I really wanted to continue with one-on-one tutoring or just the demon in general, I was maybe 15 or 20 minutes. And she was like, if you start doing X, Y, and Z, this score will go up significantly higher. And then I took a practice test afterwards and she was right. And I was like, okay, I'm sold. This is exactly what I need to do. She knows exactly what she's talking about. And she does it in such a nice way where it's like, oh yeah, I can completely understand what you're saying but i should have realized that a little bit ago like so she's just great nice well i want to get to what comes next for you and what you're looking forward to at berkeley but to wrap up on your lsat prep you said that you worked primarily on reading comprehension or at least that was the biggest hurdle that you had to overcome near the end of your studies if there was a biggest challenge for you on rc do you can you say what that was and then importantly how it is that you overcame it or if there was like a biggest click uh for you and what it was going to take you to slay those monsters on rc yeah i think the biggest issue that i had was i sometimes like hit a passage that it was something I wasn't interested in at all. And I just was like, oh, I hate this. Like specifically like science passages, which I always got two of on every RC. So I hit that and I was like, I have to read about the dinosaurs again, like whatever it was, I just kind of was tapped out from the moment it started. So then since I wasn't invested in it, I wasn't reading it as thoroughly as I read other passages. Like I specifically remember reading a passage about Motown artists. I like, this is fantastic. Like, I love this. Um, and I didn't miss a singular question on that. And it's, it's, I think it's one of the more difficult passages in the demon database. Um, and then I read some passage about like asteroids and different types of plasma. And I was like, I have two bachelors of sciences, but I am not like in STEM, like this is not fun for me. And I remember talking through it with Abigail and she was like, well, what is your, what do you feel like when you see that it's a science passage? And I told her, I was like, I just feel, oh, I get no way that this is what we're doing again. And she's like, that's the issue is that you don't start like you're not invested in it when you first start, you're already having to jump a hurdle of getting invested into that passage. And so you're just kind of setting yourself up for failure because not only are you wasting energy on trying to get yourself excited for reading a science passage, you're also wasting energy on not being invested. So not reading super closely. And then you're having to go back once you hit the questions and read the passage again, because you didn't read it as closely as you read other things. So for me, I think the main way I overcame it, and I definitely didn't overcome it like a hundred percent of the time. Like there was some test days where you just feel really bad and you're like, oh, it's another like volcano passage. Of course it is. Like it just has to be. Um, and so there were days like that, but really what I tried to do is I'm an avid reader in general, but I read like very specific genres. Like I love a good mystery book, but you'll never catch me reading like 
nonfiction for some reason. Um, and so for me, what I started doing is I really started reading the news, but reading stuff that I wouldn't normally read, like stuff that I thought was normally boring for chance and trying to get invested in it and explaining it to someone who I knew hadn't read it, whether it be one of my friends or one of my parents, just to try and like test how truly I was comprehending things. One of the best like sources that I read, even though I have a minor in economics, the economist magazine is always super dry for me. And I don't like it, but my dad has a subscription to it. So whenever we'd get that in our inbox, I would read it, find something that I thought he might not have read and then try to explain it back to him. So that was kind of how I got over that hump of like, whatever it is, it's going to be boring and just kind of started to find like the intrigue or maybe even just pretend I was interested, but sometimes faking it is half the battle. Um, but that definitely helps get my score up. So I would say if you're falling victim to that, like I did read some boring stuff and pretend it's interesting. Um, and you'll, at, at one point you'll find that it actually is interesting. You just weren't giving it the chance, um, to be interesting. So that was probably what my biggest hurdle was for RC. And then also minus reading the questions first for, if you're reading the questions first, use the blind, like don't look at the questions before. It's a great feature. I wish I would have done that to begin with. Like, that's fantastic. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, it sounds like you found that you were surprised at how interested you became by some of these passages when given a chance. The one that uh, gets mentioned a lot amongst the demon teachers is the lichenography passage. It's fascinating. You wouldn't think that some moss on the side of boulders could be so interesting, um, but it absolutely is. Great. Well, congrats again. You went from so a 152 to a 168. Is that right? So a 16 point increase over a relatively short amount of time while doing a lot of stuff in the meantime. Congratulations. And it got you to an excellent school in Berkeley. Tell me about what it is that excited you about Berkeley, why you decided to go there. And if you know what your pursuit is in, in law, like is, is Berkeley especially suited to that? I expect you have kind of a weird, well, not weird, but a niche intersection of public policy and sports in your background. Is that kind of where you're headed? Um, I would say that it's definitely something I'm considering. Um, I was really drawn to Berkeley initially because of how like socially active they are. Um, I really think that they're a great school for social justice and social justice, like oriented people, especially public interest. I feel like there is a lot of support there, um, for students. Um, and I learned more about it as I went and I toured and did more interest sessions and eventually did their admitted students weekend. But for me, what really drew me to Berkeley, I think, was how accessible they made their process. Um, I remember applying to law school and I had a friend who had gone through it before, but he's, you know, a little bit more private. So I wasn't watching it hands on and really experiencing it before I experienced it. And so for me, both my parents are physicians, but neither are attorneys. And so the law school and the medical school application processes are significantly different. So they really didn't have any help. And I just kind of felt like I was going in blind. And that's not something that I like. I really like to know everything that I'm doing and try and be as perfect as I can. But Berkeley made it really 
interesting and really easy to understand exactly what they expected from me as an applicant and exactly what I should expect from them as the school that I'm applying to. And the way that they did that was through numerous interest sessions. Um, and then also they had office hours with the Dean of Admissions and she's fantastic the way that she answers questions. And also sometimes there are times when I don't want to ask a question, but I want to see what everybody else is asking and garner what their kind of experience is. She's just fantastic at not putting you on the spot and not making you ask a question, but also if you send her a question privately, like I had done, cause I had a certain experience that I didn't really want to out to everybody in the like, um, office hours. She was very quick at responding and was very just helpful for that experience. Um, so for me, I think the warmth that they had in those intercessions really garnered my interest. And then also learning more about their specific initiatives. Their pro bono program is really interesting to me. Um, I'm really interested in constitutional law and that sort of aspect, but I also really like sports and public policy. So entertainment and like IP law would be interesting for me, but I also just recently got into antitrust, um, through an economics class that I had. So I'd love to try out antitrust litigation. Um, so as you can tell, I'm just scatterbrained all over the place with everything. Um, but I think that that's great because Berkeley doesn't pigeonhole you. They want you to try all these different things. And so many of their faculty are leading, you know, experts in their field and the Dean is fantastic fantastic. Um, and it just feels very welcoming, very inviting. So that's definitely why I ended up choosing Berkeley as well as why I ended up applying. But a lot of the other schools that I was accepted into made the choice very difficult, whether it be through combination of scholarship money or if it was, you know, staying in Columbus where I'd gotten really comfortable on a full ride at Ohio State, which is a pretty good like law school in general. But I realized for me what I wanted to do kind of was it was important to go to the best law school. I felt comfortable spending the money at. Um, and I did get, you know, basically like a fourth of my scholarship or a fourth of my tuition is covered by Berkeley through scholarship. And then I have a couple of outside scholarships, whether it's through my honor society or through Ohio state, um, with the various awards that I'd won through them, um, which makes it feel a lot more comfortable going to Berkeley and not feeling like I'm putting myself in a financially difficult decision. But knowing that I am going to Berkeley makes me feel comfortable that I'll have a really good return on my investment. Um, it's a school that definitely opens a lot of doors and people are like, oh, wow, you're going to Berkeley. That's fantastic. Um, and so that's great. And I love that it's a public school too. It just feel like a lot of their initiatives are rooted in giving back into the Bay Area community, but also making, you know, college and law school more accessible for everybody in general. So for me, Berkeley, just it felt right. It felt like it aligned a lot with my interests and a lot of my values as a person and as a student. Um, so I really I'm excited just to experience all of that. The culture is so warm. Everybody is so happy, which is crazy because you feel like going into law school, everybody's going to be like nose in a book. Like, I don't want to talk to you. You hear horror stories of people ripping pages out of books so people can't use it for whatever they're writing in legal writing classes. But when we went for admitted students weekend, everybody was so warm, so welcoming wanting to talk to you about their experience, wanting to learn about you. Um, and that's not a thing, that's not a feeling that I felt at some other law schools that I had visited. Mm. Yeah, I suspect that those those uh, urban legends about the sort of ghoulish competition between law students are overblown in many cases. Um, but certainly Berkeley has always been a school with a reputation for more collegiality. So 
congratulations once again well done it sounds like it's a perfect fit for you and you're going to just love it there and you've got many many interests to pursue and you will find through your first year and and moving forward uh what interests you what really draws you so looking forward to all of that for you please do stay in touch and and let us know how it goes would love to check in with you in the future and hear more about your journey Thanks again, Megan, for joining. It's been a real pleasure having you on. Before I let you go, any final words of advice for students who are either early in their LSAT prep or just getting started, just thinking about law school, anything that you would advise? Yeah, I think especially for studying for the LSAT, I always feel like people who want to go to law school are pretty regimented. Like they find a path and they stick to it. And that's definitely how I was, especially when I first started out with my first tutoring company. But I think my biggest advice is if something isn't working for you, it's not working. Like you don't need to try and make a round peg fit into a square hole. Um, there's always better advice, or maybe there's someone who can better explain it to you. And whether that's, you know, switching tutoring companies to LSAT demon was really helpful for me, but also sometimes it was switching to different like live classes. Maybe I wasn't understanding a logical reasoning section, the way some person explained it, but I went to Abigail and she explained it great. Or I went to another live class and it clicked. Um, don't get so bogged down in trying to be perfect on this path that you set that you don't see the other options or like any forks in the road. Because I feel like the LSAT is so non-linear for so many people. You're going to have great times where, okay, you scored a 175 on a practice test and you feel really confident, but then, you know, you go take the real thing and that's not how it turns out. That's okay. Like it happens. And instead of, you know, being woeful or feeling like maybe law school doesn't fit for me. Try something new. Try something different. Well said. Megan Mitchell, LSAT Demon student, Berkeley Zero L. Congratulations once again. Stay in touch. Let us know how things go for you. And thanks again for coming on. Thank you. Email daily at lsatdemon.com to ask a question or to share any LSAT or law school admissions news. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.